0: Father, I just pray this morning, every person watching online, those that are here today, that if they've never received the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they've never had the blood applied to their life, I pray, God, today that the blinders would come off of their eyes. Father God, that they would see how much you love them, the sacrifice that you made to redeem them. Lord God, you showed your love toward us while we were yet sinners. So God, I pray that that mustard seed of faith will just come alive today and they will receive salvation and redemption through your blood. We thank you for the service this morning, God. Let the heavens be open over this place. Let your anointing flow this morning, Father God. We can do nothing without you. Father God, let our hearts be receptive to what it is your word has to say unto us today, that we might leave this place not the same way that we came in, but rather we be changed from glory to glory. By the spirit of God in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said amen and amen Put your hands together one more time. Thank you girls For ministering to us this morning Keep knowing your prayers this week. He's under the weather and uh, uh, Maybe you have some family members or some loved ones that are experiencing a little bit uh, today as well, but uh, keep them in prayer Hey prayer works there's a reason why we pray. God is faithful to answer our prayers. You know, prayer is basically communication. I was thinking about that this week, that, of course, there's different types of prayers. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven. You know that prayer. And that prayer can be broken down. And then he says, when you, when you pray, pray believing that you've already received. He also says, men ought to always pray and not so I thought about how can you always be praying. I mean, you're working, you're home, you're you're tending the children, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff. How how can we always pray and, and not faint? I just don't seem like uh, we can we can do that. But you know, prayer is communication, and I'm going to say this before I get into my message this morning. Prayer is communication, and something that Jennifer and I taught many years ago in a. Um, in a marriage seminar that that you can communicate in three different ways um word gesture and deed and so you may not even be saying something but your prayer but your behavior is communicating something right you're always praying. I'm talking to God always either through word, gesture, or deed. The only time that uh, that prayer is not being prayed always is when either my words, my gesture, or my deeds are not in concert with his word and his plan for my life. Someone say Amen. And you feel that, you know, when, you, when you've broken that communication. How I many you know if communication has been broken? doesn't mean that he left you. You just know, whoops, there's just something there. I need to get rid of this. I feel heavens are brass. I feel a barrier between me and the Lord. Well, let me just say this. It's never, it's never on the Lord's side, right? He's always there. So usually that's within our own conscience that... Uh, we have to work these things out. So pray always. Communicate with God always. How? In your words, your gestures, and your deeds and he will be with you. Amen. Hey, last week we started, we talked about uh, faith, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of try to build on that this morning, and I, I believe this will be a blessing to you, because uh, faith can move mountains. We, we read about that last week. We'll probably go over that again, but let's start back again in the book of Hebrews this morning, if we can. Let's look at this scripture one more time, and uh, Hebrews chapter 11, very important. And uh, we'll go along uh, as far as we can here. And if we just want to, we can just break out and go Holy Ghost this morning. We can just start dancing and shouting and praying in tongues if you want to. It's all good with me. Uh, We just want to touch heaven. Amen? We, We want to be locked into the Spirit this morning. So get your hearts opened up. Get ready because this word, I believe, can change your life. Um, He says in verse 1 chapter 11 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen So I just want to stop right there and build on this now faith is So we talked about that last week that faith isn't yesterday faith isn't tomorrow faith is right now Faith is ever present. So if now faith is that means that uh, It's with you. It's a one. How many now moments have you had today? Just one. It's a continual You can't have several now moments because it wouldn't be now anymore, right? So faith is right now. So the important part of that is is that there is no faith for yesterday, right? Faith is gone. And if you want to manifest God's plan and God's purpose for your life in the future, you have to have faith now. You have to believe now. You remember the woman with the issue of blood, when she went to Jesus, she said in her heart, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. She didn't say, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, or I'm going to go touch the hem of his garment and see what happens. Now faith is not, not something that you, you decide when you get there. you got to have it. Now, this woman with the issue of blood... <clears throat> You know, the Bible declares Romans chapter 10 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so a lot of times, what do we do? We go to the word of God to build our faith. Very important. If you want to stay in concert and keep your spirit fed, keep your faith up, keep your perspective right, keep your attitude right, keep your hope alive, then you got to spend time in the word. There's just no getting around it. Sometimes we want to do something different and many times we'll lay the word down and we know when we're running out of gas. We know when our tank's getting low because then we start to get anxious and we start to get blah. We start to think things we shouldn't think. Uh, we start to get depressed. We, we start to get, settle into despair. Why? Because you're not feeding your faith. Faith keeps hope alive on the inside of you. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing what by the word of God. So we go to the word to keep our faith muscle growing and strong. But the woman with the issue of blood, I want you to realize something that when she was going to Jesus, she was actually going to the, word. Jesus is the word. He is the word manifested. So she was going to the word, but she wasn't going to the word to get faith in that moment. She was going to the word with faith. So when we approach the word of God, if we want the word of God to release its virtue back into our life, we got to go to the word of God, believing that the word of God is true. We got to go to the word of God with faith. Right? I'm talking to Christians now. I know a lot of people that are, were atheists and went to the Word to disprove the existence of God. And when they got to the Word, they found out that God is real. I mean, this Word is living Word. It is life-changing Word. So when we go to the Word of God, you go this week when you pray, when you seek God in His Word. I want you to go to the Word of God with faith. What does that mean? That you believe that this Word is true. That God has never broken trust with you. In order to have faith in something or someone, you have to have trust in it. Broken trust is a a hard thing to repair. And that's why a lot of times when people go through things in life, when we experience different types of tragedies or what have you, uh, we feel like trust has been broken with God. Why God did you allow this to happen? Why God did you let me down? Why God did you allow me to go through that? And so in that moment we think, you know, God, uh, You could have stopped it or you could have prevented it or God uh, You should have done something different as though God doesn't know the end from the beginning. That's I mean, that's an infinite trust in his word Regardless of what we experience or go through. I know it's very difficult It's very hard at times to manage our lives through God's word and totally trusting him When we think there should have been or could have been a different outcome and a certain situation in our life But this is where trust must come into play Uh, the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all thy ways and he will direct your path. So when we don't understand, we have to lean on him. We got to lean into him. So if you're lacking understanding in any area of your life, whatever pertains to in your family, those things that are close, closest to you, uh, your finances, your relationships, whatever, if there's things that have taken place that you don't understand, you got to lean into him. And you may not get understanding by leaning into him in that moment, but i tell you what you will get. You'll get peace to know that everything's going to be all right. Turn to your neighbor, tell him everything's going to be all right. Yeah, God knows. He knows. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's already been here, done that, and knows the outcome. So we have to trust in him. Don't let the circumstances of your life break trust with the word of God. We're seeing it now more than any time in Western church culture where people believe that god's word is no longer in error infallible word of almighty god so they feel like because of life and circumstances that god broke trust with them and so when you feel like god has broken trust your your faith begins to wane and so instead of approaching the word of god with faith you approach the word of god with doubt now and so now you're searching the scriptures to find where there's inconsistencies or you're searching the scriptures where you find out there's chronological errors you're searching the scriptures uh, just just to try to disprove god Uh, because you feel like you've been betrayed. Trust is broken when you feel like you've been betrayed. God has never betrayed us, amen? And he's never going to betray us. What happens in our lives and the experiences that we have and the things that we go through is not a betrayal of God. It is a result of the fall. It's a result of the curse. It's the result of sin nature that lies on the inside of us. So God has not betrayed us. God has never broken trust with us. His word is true. It's infallible. Why am I saying this? Because it's so important when you approach the word of God. You approach the word of God in faith. Now, God's not afraid of you to challenge his word. He's not afraid of you to go and say, okay, God, what does this mean? I found something, I don't understand it. It looks like it's inconsistent. It looks like it doesn't line up. It looks like there's something different. Listen, that's why the scripture says, study to show thyself approve, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. There is text, there's pretext, there's context, and there's understanding that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you gotta know that God. God is not afraid of you searching out his word. He encourages you to do so. And if you have a question about it, don't be afraid to ask God. I don't understand this. Why does this not line up? What's wrong with this genealogy? Or whatever you want to try to uh, sense in there that you, you don't have understanding of, God will reveal it to you. I've never went to the word of God and said, Aha, I got you, God. No, I could have went to the word of God and said, aha, I got you, God. No, I can go to the word of God and said, hey, this don't make sense. But once you begin to research and you look at context and you see what God is saying and you look at the whole, you look at the whole pie, you can't rightfully divide something if you don't have the whole to do it with, right? If I got a pie here, I can't rightfully divide it if three pieces have already been taken out. You got to have the whole pie, You've got, you, you got to be able to rightfully divide it. And that's what sometimes we do. We have that that um, that bias, that confirmation bias, so we look for things that will confirm our bias. I don't have any bias in this other than I know that God is alive. I know that his spirit lives on the inside of me. I know I have been saved, regenerated, born again, washed in the blood of the lamb. I know this is true. I know that it's happened. It had an effect in my life and in my body. And when God revealed his word to me, I found my life in this book, and I've never been afraid to try to dissect it. I mean, I don't mind apologetics whatsoever. I'm not a theologian or a scholar, don't ever claim to be, but I'm not afraid to research the Scripture because I'm thinking that, you know, there might be something wrong in here. God's got this, right? He's not, uh, you know, up there in... uh, you know, tripping up over people that are trying to prove that he doesn't exist. He knows who he is. That'd be like you trying to prove to me that I don't exist. I'm here. I know I'm here. Right? You know, there's some people that don't see me right now. Doesn't mean I'm not here. So God is alive and well, and he is on the throne. So he says, now faith is, so we have faith right now. We got faith right now. like the woman with the issue of blood, she went there and she went there with faith to the word of God. So I want to encourage you when you go to the word of God, go to the word of God with faith. God, what are you saying to me? What can I find in these scriptures? And you know, the the thing is about the Word of God. Whatever area you might be tripping up in, in your life, the Word has the answers for you. It can show you a right path. And so, the Bible declares in Mark chapter 6, let's look at this right here. Mark chapter 6, very important. Mark chapter 6. Matthew, Mark chapter 6. Here's an instance where... Um, we find that uh, Jesus had been ministering. This is right after the woman with the issue of blood. It's it's right after Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. Now Jesus goes to his own hometown in verse one. And he went from there and he went into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in their synagogues and many hearing him, they were astonished. Saying, can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to the word, dispense the word? I mean, you want to talk about the word coming across with faith? Wow. I mean, there are the words speaking the word, right? Wouldn't that be powerful? Well, here is the word speaking the word this morning. He's not going anywhere. If you bring faith into right now. It's a now moment. God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The word is alive. You have faith. It can change your life. It can change the direction of your future. It can change your circumstances. It can move mountains. It's alive and well. But look, here, here's a snag that we find in scripture when it comes to faith. They were astonished at what he was saying. He said, They said, from whence comes this, these, these things that he's saying? And what wisdom is this which he gives unto us, that they even even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. So they're questioning. Man, we're seeing some powerful things. We're hearing a new doctrine. We're hearing something that we've never heard before. It's coming with authority. It's coming with great uh, assertion, without doubt, confidence. He's speaking the word. And then they asked themselves a question in verse 3. They said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and Judas and Simon? And Judah and Simon. And are not these his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. So look at this very, very, very interesting text. First they're hearing him speak. They're seeing the miracles. They're astonished at what he's saying, and then they stopped, and then they tried to position him in a familiar place with themselves. Wait a minute. We know this guy. He's a carpenter. He's a carpenter's son. We know his family. We we, we know his sisters. Wait a minute. So now, instead of coming And sitting at the word of God with astonishment and amazement and wonder, they brought him back into familiarity. So they brought him from here down to here. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, don't ever get used to God. Don't ever get to the place in your life where God never wows you anymore. I mean, just get up, and you can be wowed by the fact that you've got breath in your lungs, that your hands and your feet work. I know things might be going crazy around you. I know things may be happening all over the world, but you can still be wowed by God, looking into the eyes of your beautiful children and your grandchildren. You can still be wowed by God, looking back at all the things that he brought you through, looking at all the things that's happened to you. You can still be wowed by God. I had a wow moment this morning. My good friend and buddy and brother-in-law told me that he finished his cancer treatments after two years and got to ring the bell this week. And wow, God, wow. And if you'd have watched the man for the two years, you would have have never known. I'm sure Wendelin knew more than anybody, but he never let anyone, he never let it on. He, he never had a, had a pity party about it. And if he did, he didn't stay there long. And I never seen one. Just walked through it as a man of faith. And the doctor told him, if this would have been a few years ago, um, I would have given you six months. Yeah, well, here he is, standing in faith. Holy Ghost bell ringer, giving glory to God. Yeah, come on, give God some praise. I mean, if that was your daddy, you'd praise him. If that was your husband, you'd praise him. If that was your brother, you'd praise him for it. Come on, praise him like you believe it. God is good. He's so faithful. So they were bringing Jesus back into a place of familiarity. Don't ever let God not be able to wow you. He is a wonder. He is a marvel. He is a wonder worker. Don't let the depravity and the, the, uh, the curse and the fall and sin and entropy take away the wildness of God in your life. He's done a marvelous thing in our sight. He's done a marvelous thing for us. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed and spilled his blood, and that should be enough to continually wow you but when you they bring him into question don't we know him they're bringing him into familiarity that's what people go to the word try to disprove God they're trying to bring the word of God down here they're trying to bring it down to their level where they can understand it with their own intellect sometimes listen faith is makes up the gaps in knowledge God didn't, doesn't, didn't tell us everything. We don't know everything. That's why the just shall live by faith. There's some things we, God wants us to live. Why didn't God just show up and prove himself? Well, how much faith would that take? Right? He wants us to live by faith. Decide to love him by faith. Decide to believe him by faith. Not by assertion. He loves us. So, they brought him down to this level, and they, they brought him down to a spirit of familiarity. And what happened here? And Jesus said unto him, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do no mighty works say that a lay hands on a few sick folks and heal them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And so what did he do? He went about teaching, trying to get rid of their unbelief. But there's a great lesson here about doubt and unbelief. That's why it's important that you go to the word of God with the faith that God has given you. To discover the greatness of God, to discover the plan of God, to discover the word of God. Not to try to bring him down and disprove him all the time. Because, again, like I said, those confirmation biases, you can read into anything, anything you want to read into it. But I know what the Lord has done for me. I know where I was without him. I know how I think without him. I know my behavior without him. I know my self-destruction without him. He is that governor in my life. The Holy Spirit is my helper in this life. So I trust him when I approach the word of God. I don't try to bring him down to the level of my understanding. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is God's ways above our ways. I trust that. I believe that. I've seen too much. So don't give up on God. I know it's not where you think it should be. I know things aren't all the way that you want them to be. But God's working on your behalf. He's not abandoned you. He's not betrayed you. You don't have to break trust with him. He's not broken trust with you. As a matter of fact, he trusts you with what you're going through. What does that mean? Well, why didn't, why this happen to me and not them? And why do I got to go here and not there? Why do I have to, Lord, why why'd you give me this assignment? Because he trusts you with it. He knew no matter how, well, the hardship that the assignment would bring, whether it's the raising of your own children, the, the working out marital issues, going through situations in your life, the loss of loved ones, the loss of business, bankruptcy, whatever it is that you've had to face or whatever it is that you've gone through. The fact of the matter is that God trusts you with that. He trusts you that in the middle of that fiery furnace, you're going to praise him anyway. That you're going to glorify him anyway. That you're going to show up to church on a Sunday morning, 10 degrees outside anyway. Somebody say amen. He trusts you with what you're going through. He trusts Job with what Job was allowed to go through. He trusts you with it. You don't know who lives on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. Greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world. There's nothing too hard for God. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It may not come when you want it. It may not come when when you thought it should come. It, you might be Mary and Martha waiting for Jesus to raise, the heal the brother, but he might wait until he dies. He may not come at midnight. He might wait until 2 a.m. Are you going to trust him from 12 o'clock to 2 a.m.? are you going to think that he broke trust because he didn't show up when you wanted him to show up? No, fidelity no matter what. Lord, I trust you. This is the hardest thing for me to do, but I trust you anyway. I'm going to stand on your word. My heart is broken. My feelings are hurt. I might even be a little offended, but I trust you anyway. I believe you anyway. I'm going through anyway. I'm on your side. You can handle my offense. You can handle my disappointment. You can handle my anger. You can handle, You're not tripping up over that. I just want you to know no matter how I feel, I trust you anyway. Way. I'm coming with you I'm on the Lord's side bless God in the name of Jesus come on somebody put your hands together if you're loving this is faith my friend this is faith this is now faith that's what now faith is now faith is I trust him when everything around me is falling apart. That's now faith. I'm not going to leave you now that everything's falling apart. I'm going to stand here. Lord, good though, none go with me. Yet shall I praise Him. Though skin worms devour my flesh. I'm going to praise the Lord. Throw me in the fiery furnace. I'm not going to bow, and if I burn, I burn. Throw me in the lion's den, but I'm not going to stop praying because I know in whom I have believed. I'm looking to the mountains from whence comes my help. Jesus, there is a great getting up morning someday. He's going to return to this planet his reward is with him will he find faith when he returns will he find right now faith when he returns what does that mean that you're on his side and he returns and everything around you may not be popping up roses but you're standing with the Lord how many people are standing with the Lord this morning come on we're soldiers in the army of the Lord I'm not turning back I'm not letting go I know in whom I have believed. So look, look what happens here. He couldn't do very many things because they, because of their unbelief. What brought them into unbelief was a spirit of familiarity. They brought him down to a place where they were comfortable and familiar with it. They weren't comfortable with him being one that teaches with authority. Words of astonishment and working of miracles. They weren't, they weren't real comfortable with that. Some of them thought he was a sorcerer. Some of them thought he did his deeds through the works of Beelzebub, the scripture says. They weren't comfortable. But I'm comfortable if you're on my level. That's why people all the time trying to bring other people down. I'm not comfortable with you being more successful than me. I'm not comfortable with you doing better than me. I'm not comfortable with your, your your relationship working out when mine doesn't. I'm not comfortable with that. Right? So let's chip away. Let's bring people down to familiarity. And sometimes our own familiarity with ourselves trips us up. You got to remember who you are. What's your... Your own spirit of familiarity. What does that even mean? That means that you're more familiar with your broken, sinful nature than you are with the resurrected Christ that lives on the inside of you. So you're always walking around beating yourself up. You're always condemning yourself because you didn't hit the mark or you missed the mark or you or you blew a relationship or you sinned or you did something wrong or you, or you just made a mistake or whatever it is. And the enemy will constantly remind you of what you did in the past and who you were back then wait a minute, hold on just a second. There's no faith back there. He's trying to get you to a place that's no longer there. And if he can do that, that self-perception and that reality puts a spirit of familiarity upon you that brings unbelief and stops you from going forward to becoming the best that you can be for God. There is not a person in this place that has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this place that hasn't disappointed themselves and would say, stand up here and say, I've never done anything that I'm not ashamed of. Welcome to the human race my friend. That's why Jesus came. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he sent his holy spirit the helper, the comforter, the one to call alongside to help and put him on the inside of us. He says it's going to be all right. That's why we apply the blood when we do sin. The Bible says that we have an advocate with the father. If we faithful if we if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Do you believe that or don't you believe that? I believe that. I I believe every sin that I confess and I've ever committed in my past as not only forgiven, he already forgot it. As far as the east is from the west, so are my sins separated from me. Why am I going to stand here in the now faith, in this now moment with a spirit of familiarity and bring myself back down to the level of who I was, back down to the level of the things that I did? I'm rising above that, man. This is who I am today. I'm a man of God. I'm a, I, I, I work for God. I love God I'm doing what I can do for God does that mean I'm perfect Lord Jesus no look in the mirror you know I'm not perfect ain't nobody perfect But I know in whom I have believed. I'm not bringing Jesus down to the carpenter's level. And I'm not bringing myself down to the level of my past. I'm breaking those spirits of familiarity. And Satan, you keep reminding me of my past. I'm going to keep reminding you of your future. I know in whom I have believed. Greater is he that lives on the inside of me. It's going to be all right. You got to break that thing. It is a spirit. And it will hold you back. You can walk into a room, and you can, if you got discernment, you can walk into a room and you can sense and see who who's walking in the confidence of who they are, and who's living under the weight of familiarity. I don't, I don't measure up. I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to be able to achieve. Look, I I look. I'll never get to that place. I'll never get to that level. So what do we do? We got to bring them down, or we're going to stay oppressed right where we're at. That's just unbelief. I trust God and the finished work of calvary and i trust that he's put me on this planet for such a time as this i trust that he has a plan for my life i trust that he has an assignment for my life i trust that he that he trusts me with what he's given me and i'm going to do the best that i can possibly do And when I do fall short, glory be to Jesus, the Lord is on my side. That's why the devil just hates it. He hates it. He hates it because it's the blood applied. It never loses its power. It didn't lose its power in 1985 when I got saved. And it's not lost its power in 2024 while I'm walking out and working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. It is the blood applied. When God looks at me, he sees the blood applied. When Satan looks at me, he sees the reflection of God and Jesus Christ. Christ. He he sees a redeemed saint of God. He can't stand it. So he'll try to vex and he'll try to torment and he'll try to bring you down. He'll try to bring you back to your past. Remember this, the devil will always take you back. I ain't going back. Ain't nothing back there. Bunch of losers. No one's been a loser longer than the devil. He is under our feet. So, he marveled and he went about teaching. So, so what, do we, what do we gain from this scripture? Unbelief comes from familiarity. You just get used to God. You just get used to church. You just go through the motions. You just show up because you're supposed to show up. You're just going, oh, yeah, it's church. And we lose our fire. We talked about fire this morning, consuming fire. We lose our fire. We lose our zeal for God. And then we go back to default, and we go through the normal regiments of life. And then, you know, a month passes, six months passes, and then we find, oh, Lord, I'm out of gas. I'm dying on the inside. I'm oppressed. I, what I, need, I need a spiritual shot. I need a spiritual boost. I need my gas tank filled up. Couldn't it, couldn't, it, couldn't it be a wonderful thing if we could all just learn to run on full instead of running on empty? Yeah. Stay full, my friend. God is good. So, Don't allow spirits of familiarity and unbelief and don't try to bring this word down to the level of the reader's digest. This is God's word. It's not not the USA today. This is God's word. It is the word of God. You have to believe that. That means this thing is elevated up here. It's it's, it's not down here with with all the other collections of books that you possess. The words that are in this book are spirit and they are life. That's why when you read them, you don't know how it happens, but you become more optimistic. You become more hope-filled. You become strengthened in your faith. Why? Because it is a life. It's a spirit, this spirit. The words I say are spirit and they are life. Glory to God. Man, we just, I get hungry when I preach about the word. I just make myself hungry. Anybody hungry for the word? All right, let's go to the book of James. James chapter 2. Let's get through this this morning. James chapter 2. This is very important, another aspect of faith that we got to put in practice. James chapter 2, and let's look at verse 26, James 2 and 26. Starting in verse 14, you can read from there on, we won't go there for sake of time, but it's talking about the dispute of faith and how faith works. Verse 26 kind of sums it up. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. All right, so we talked last week that if we had, we, we, we had the God kind of faith, Mark 11, 22, 24, we could say unto this mountain, be thou removed. I'm going to get into that. I think we'll turn there in just a moment. But shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So faith without works is dead. So let's just take your gospel experience, how you came to know the Lord. What does Romans chapter 10 say? You must believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, but it doesn't stop there. There's something else you have to do. You have to believe in your heart, but there's something else you have to do. You have to believe in your heart and confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe, and then you confess. You believe, and then you confess. Right? So, faith, what is your work aspect? You confess. You're not ashamed. You're confessing with a, the with a heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So confession is made unto salvation. That's why if you want to stay fired up for the Lord, if you want to stay absolutely on fire for God, it will take more than just one time believing and one time confessing. He says, with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto. You're continually confessing. What does that mean? It's not I came to an altar and I believed and I got convicted and I repented and I confessed. That means I continued to confess unto my salvation. I continued to be that witness. I continued to press in to God's plan and God's will for my life. I continue to desire not my will be done, but his will be done. Like the Apostle Paul said, I forgot those things which are behind me, and now I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling. I'm confessing on to salvation. There's nothing more exciting about yourself getting saved than when you you lead someone else to the Lord. When you tell someone else about God and it clicks. You invite someone to church and they show up. Someone hears the gospel and you've been a witness and you hear that they got saved and you know you planted seed at the risk of being rejected, at the risk of them not liking you anymore. Listen, rejection is a big part of your Christianity because not everybody will. Not everybody will believe and some people will believe, but they'll never confess, right? So we, we don't get disappointed in rejection We don't get to, that's not our job. Our job is to confess unto salvation. Plant, water, God brings the increase. You want to stay on fire for God? Keep talking about him. If you're not, people talk about what they're on fire about, what they're excited about. We don't have no problem talking about the Buckeyes. We don't have no problem talking about the Bengals or some of those other teams, black and yellow or whatever they are. We don't have no time. Why? We get excited about being a part of a winning team. And when they lose, we make excuses for them. It was the ref's fault. And there were so many injuries. And the coaching. And the Right? Man, how would it be if we were excited about Jesus and our walk with him? Where our lingo doesn't change from Sunday morning lingo to Monday break room lingo. I can't help them when I talk to my boss. If there's a praise the Lord in there, something praise the Lord worthy. A praise the Lord comes out. A thank you Jesus comes out. Praise God comes. It's it's who I am. I can't separate it. They're trying to, I heard someone say, I think it, Carson was telling me, C.J. Stroud, this football player for Texans, he always gives pr- glory to the Lord Jesus Christ at the first of his interviews. And he was saying that one of the interviews was trying to tell him, well, well, I'm glad about your faith and how, how it, how it uh, um, you know, helps you and, and strengthens you and all that kind of stuff. But I, I want to talk about lo- what happened on the field. No, you don't understand. You can't separate the two. There's no separation. That's who I am. I am that on the field, and I am that off the field. They are inseparable. It is who I am. You can't separate me from Sunday morning to Thursday afternoon of who I am. Because it's in me. So sometimes we, we uh, and, and there's, there's many, many reasons, but I believe one of the biggest reasons people lose their fire for God is, is they stop talking about him. They stop sharing him. Do you know what God did for me? Acknowledging him in all thy ways. Do you know what God God did for Harry? Well, yeah, but, you know, he went to the doctor. No, you know what God did for Harry? I can't get any help up in here. Yeah. So people might want to try to explain it away and give some other explanation to it to bring it down to something they're comfortable with and familiar with. Jennifer had the same thing when she had a diagnosis with her gallbladder and they couldn't understand it and, and, and they wanted to take it out. And she said, no, I want it. They said, no, we want it. She goes, no, I want it. It's my gallbladder. I want it. Yeah, but but it's making you sick. Yeah, I'm gonna figure it out. There was something blocking one of the ducks. It was a it was a it was a polyp. It was a growth, and it was nine millimeters or whatever it was. And and emergency. We got to take it out. We got to take it out. And and then she changed her diet. And she did some work. She did some research. And she was believing God that she's going to be able to keep her gallbladder. And she goes back a few months later, and they take a picture of it, and now all of a sudden it went from being nine to being a five. And it's releasing whatever it needs to release, and it's reversing. Well, all of the academics and the doctors and oh well, well, we must have mismeasured it the first time. We must have made a mistake the first, what, what are they doing? They're trying to bring it down to a level of their understanding, right? Something that's familiar. So what does that do? That creates unbelief in what God can or may have done to what they can understand. Jesus isn't that Mary's son, We don't understand these miracles and we don't understand this word and this astonishment. Let's bring him down to our level of understanding. Come on, let's take this thing up. I trust God, my level of understanding. I'm not coming, I'm not trying to bring God down, I'm trying to come up. I want to grow. I want a spirit of wisdom. I want a spirit of understanding and revelation. I want my eyes to be enlightened to know what is the hope of the riches of the inheritance of the saints. I don't want to bring that down to a level of where I can process it intellectually because after all, I am a man of science. There are some things that go beyond your understanding trust in God. So what does he say here? Faith without works is dead. Like the spirit outside of the body, the body is dead. So what does dead mean? What does dead mean? So here we understand that your spirit leaves your body. It equals death. So who you are leaves your shell. Now The body is dead. Very simply means separated. You have separated. Your body has separated. Your spirit has left your body. There's separation. Death literally means separation. So when your spirit leaves your body, your body is dead. So what does that mean? Your body doesn't function anymore. I've never seen a dead man change his own clothes or tie his own shoes or get his own coffee. He's not doing anything anymore. The power to function, the power for the body to function in in this life, on this planet, has left. The ghost has left the shell. But when the spirit of a man is inside of a man, the body can perform. It can do something. It can achieve great things. It can walk. It can talk. It can build. It can play sports. It it can do, you know what I'm saying. But once the spirit leaves, doesn't mean the body's no longer there. Just means it's separated from the power that it had to perform. So is faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. Absent the power to perform and manifest the promise in your life. Doesn't mean that faith is no longer there, it's just not performing, any. it's not tying its shoes anymore. It's not rolling out of bed anymore. So you got to do something. Turn to your neighbor and say, You got to do something? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't have faith, but if your faith is dead, then it lacks the power to manifest or perform God's plan for your life. You got to do something. When God wants to do something great in your life, whether it is to get you out of a bind, Most people turn to God in those moments. Or whether it's to achieve something great, to to do something for him, it will come with an instruction. You can't sit around and wait on God to do something that he has instructed you to do and expect you're going to get the result of the desire that's placed in your heart. If God says remember Naaman he was the leper he he uh, the the no the Syrian king the leper and then and, and Naaman his servant he he told him go to the prophet and tell him tell him the king's got leprosy and he went to the prophet and Elijah said go back and tell him to go to the river Jordan and dip 7 times and he didn't like the instruction He said, there's cleaner rivers over here. Surely I can go dip in one of my own rivers up here in Syria. I got to go to that dirty, nasty river Jordan and dip seven times. He didn't want to do it. He had the instruction, but he was going to refuse the instruction because he didn't like the instruction. He thought of a better way to get her done. There's surely cleaner rivers. And his servant told him, he said, oh, listen, if the prophet would have told you to go and slay, slay an army, you would have done that. You would have done something that you're familiar with. You would have done something that you know you're good at. Now, all he's doing is asking you to go dip seven times in the River Jordan, and your leprosy will be cleansed. There's always an instruction. And then when there's an instruction that comes from God, a lot of times there's a lot of self-reflection and personal reasoning of why that could be or not be God. I'm not saying it's easy to process hearing God and being led by God. It is trial and error. Listening and hearing God's instruction and direction for your life is not a perfect science. I wish it was. But I'd rather get out of the boat believing that I heard Jesus say come than be stuck in the boat in the middle of a storm when I could have been walking on the water towards the word of God for my life. You got you to be willing to, to, to take a risk if you're going to do what God, life is full of risk. You got to be willing to step out of the boat and say God I th- Is that you that said, "Come"? Well, let let me let me get a confirmation here. Let me let me let me see if that's it. Let me get that witness in my spirit, and then bless God. I'm I'm believing it's you, Lord. And what's the worst thing that can happen? I'd rather trust and fail than never trust at all. I've got to make a move. Someone say, "Make a move." You got to get out of the boat. So when that instruction comes, you got to do it. You can believe in your heart all day long that God has called you to be a great, a great musician. But you won't spend 10 minutes learning how to read sheet music. Faith without works. You can believe all day long that God's called you to be a great surgeon. But you're not heading in that way. In your education. You can believe all day long. But that belief, that faith and that belief is dead because there's no work corresponding. So that dead faith and that dead belief can live inside of you for your whole entire life. And there will come a time where you will say, well, I could have been. And I could have done. And I, whoa, wait a minute. I should have done something about it. I believed it in my heart. I believe that's who I was. I believe that burden was of the Lord. But I, that, that manifestation of that dream, that manifestation of that calling, sat there and lay dead on the inside of you because you did no work behind it. You didn't go after it. I believe I could write a great book. Yeah, you ain't even picked up a pencil yet. Faith without works is dead. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, say, do something. Yeah. Peter had to get out of the boat. He told him, cast your nets to the other side. Peter said, if that's you, bid me come. Cast your net the other side. We've taught all night, but whatever. We'll do it. Told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. What do you mean, stretch forth my hand? Can't you see it's withered? The Bible talks about four that were bearing a friend of theirs who was laying sick on a pallet, and Jesus was teaching inside of a house, and there were crowds thronging all around, and they couldn't get their friend into the, through the front door. So they did something extraordinary. They climbed up on the roof. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How many people would carry you on your their shoulder and climb up on a roof to get you to the answer? Boy, that's a friend. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a friend. Yeah. yeah. Carried him up on a roof, and not only did they take him up on the roof, they tore the top of the roof off. Straw and mesh and clay falling down there at the foot of Jesus and looking up and you know, who knows what's going on here? These guys are breaking and entering here. Tore the roof off and takes their friend and lowers him down at the feet of Jesus. They didn't say, Hey, they didn't say, Hey, you deal with this. <laughs> so, no, we're dealing with this. Jesus was astonished, and the scripture says that he saw their faith. What did he see? He saw what they were doing, and it equaled their faith. No, I'm not talking about faith to be saved. You're saved by faith through grace alone, not of your works. I'm talking about unlocking God's potential in your life and following his direction and plan and assignment that he has for you. So he saw their Faith, they did something. Tell somebody next to you, get busy. busy. You know, something else too. Over there in the book of Acts. Talks about Paul. And I'll close this up. This This is very important. Talks about the Apostle Paul. And he was He'd been arrested. He's preaching the gospel. He goes to Felix. He goes to Agrippa, preaches the gospel to King Agrippa. King Agrippa told him, said, Paul, thou almost persuades me to be a Christian. Some of the saddest words in the scripture. Almost persuades me to be a Christian. He sent him off. Paul knew that he had to go to Rome. Paul knew that God had an assignment for him in Rome. Paul knew that he had a destiny. So he goes through Felix and Augusta and he gets gets commissioned. They say, "We're, we're we're, we're turning this matter over to Caesar. Paul's on assignment, doing what God wants him to do, going where God wants him to go. But the incredible thing is, when he was on assignment, going to where he knew God told him to go, it wasn't easy. He was shipwrecked. The Bible says that they were, the ship was broken up, and they were cast out onto the island of Crete, a bunch of barbarians. He was shipwrecked. And then not only was he shipwrecked, he was serving the people and gathering sticks to make a fire. The Bible says that a viper jumped out of the fire, out of the sticks, and latched onto him, bidding. I'm just doing what God wants me to do. I'm just going where God wants me to go. And now my ship has been wrecked, I've been bitten by a snake. I'm on an island filled with a bunch of barbarians and all I'm trying to do is the assignment that God gave for me. What is the point? The point is this. If you're on assignment for God, it doesn't matter what comes your way to stop you. If you do not quit, you will reach your destination. If you are on an assignment from God, if you're doing what God has called you to do, it may look like you're going backwards. It may look like the vessel that you're traveling in to get there falls apart. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I thought, I thought you were going to use this ship to get me there. I mean, I don't know about you, but how many of you would have stopped right there? Wait a minute. This must not be God. <laughs> I mean, come on. You got me on a the ship, then you took the ship away. I thought we were on course. How many, of, how many times in your life were you, you felt like you were on course, and then all of a sudden uh, the ship that you were traveling in that was on course got blown off direction and got wrecked? and you felt abandoned. You felt like, oh my gosh, this can't be part of it. Maybe I miss the Lord. Maybe I miss God in this. You ever felt that way? Well, I've felt that way a time or two. I don't stay there, though, because faith is now. (laughs) The longer I stay there, the more I lay here separated from the power of God to get me from where I'm at to where he wants me to be. Because if I'm here, my faith here is dead. Oh, I believe, but it's dead. No power, no life in it, no motivating force. Can't get me out of the boat anymore. So the vessel falls apart. and goes and gets snake bit. Snake bites him on the hand. And then they find out that the, the, the tribal leader of the, the barbarians, his son is sick and dying. So they call for Paul. Paul goes to the kid, lays hands on him, the same hand that got bit by a snake, right? Ain't that something? The very thing that God wants to use, the enemy tries to bite, tries to poison, tries to stop. What do you do about it? You take that thing over by the fire and you shake it off. You can't stop a man and a woman of God. You can't stop the church of God. You can't stop the people of God. Bite all you want. Blow my ship off course all you want. But if God says I'm going to Rome, I'm going to Rome. If I find myself in the belly of a well and he has to vomit me out to where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to get to my destination. Why? Because I belong to him. This is bigger than me. I've said this so many times. How far will God take you out of your way to get a message to one person? Will he inconvenience? How much will he inconvenience you? What will he do? You know, I, th- I look back at, back at my own journey. And I think, about, I think about moving to Atlanta. And I think about moving to to west kentucky i think about all all these different things and you know and in those journeys sometimes it felt like the ship broke apart and sometimes it felt like i was bitten by a snake and and sometimes it felt like i was vomited out of the well's mouth in this foreign land it's <sighs> <laughs> i i understand but then coming back around full circle back into uh, to our home state and and teaching the word of God again i look at wait a minute where's my oldest grandson at and where's my granddaughter at and where's my daughter-in-law at and these people that have come into our lives had it not been on assignment, even though the ship was wrecked and the snake bit, I got to destination and I brought back fruit with me, brought back some eternal fruit, some blessing, some hope-filled fruit, salvation, salvation. You can't make it make sense why the ship got blown up and he got stranded on an island. God, surely you could have done it another way. Yeah, I could have, but I knew I could trust you with this way. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah, he was sure. He was so sure he didn't tell me before I left. <laughs> Sometimes, doc, you know, he's not going to tell you everything because you might say no. But he knows when push comes to shove. He knows what he's put in you. He knows who you are. He knows you're going to be all right. He knows you're going to make it all the way. Come on, put your hands together if you love him this morning. It's going to come around. If you find yourself this morning in a situation, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe you're under familiarity. Maybe you don't think you can make it. Maybe. Maybe you feel like you have faith, but it's just dead because God's asked you to do something, but you won't do it. He's asked you to say something, but you won't say it. He's asked you to stand up, but you won't stand up. He's asked you, listen, you want to be free from that? Stop going there. You want you want to be free from that? You got to end that relationship. You know it's hurting you. You want to be free from that? You, you, you got to... You got to you got to help me set you free from that addiction. You want, you want more out of life. You, yeah. Faith comes alive when we obey the instruction that empowers it to manifest God's plan. So, Father God, I just pray a spirit of understanding today. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, God, that you're asking them to do something, asking them to say something. And it might be just the beginning of a journey and a walk with you, an obedience to your word, an obedience to prayer, an obedience to church, an obedience to be a witness, an obedience to cut off some relationships that are toxic. Take a stand. Might be hard. I pray, Father God, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you speak to each and every one of us. That instruction, how big or how small, that's going to make us and take us to the next step in our walk and our communion with you. Because we're truly hungry hungry for you, Lord. We need you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you right now. Hallelujah. Can we just stand to our feet for just a moment? I want you, if you would, just grab that hand of the person next to you, if you will. Stretch across an aisle or just join somebody's hand. Just join a hand. The Bible says if we touch and agree on anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Father God, we're touching and agreeing and we're praying with that person on our right and on our left pray the power of the holy spirit just begin to move in their heart and throughout their body. I pray God the power of the holy spirit and the encouragement and the energy of the word of god just begin to come alive. I speak life like you called Lazarus out of the tomb. I speak to your faith come forth in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray father god that you bring breathe life into our faith today as we obey every instruction that you give us in your word. Hallelujah. You never give us more than we can bear. You never ask us to do anything that we're not capable of your will will not lead us where our your grace will not keep us and so father god we just thank you for your love your grace your passion and fire that lives on the inside of us we bind satan we break the power of darkness every addiction every line every familiar spirit we break it off of our lives right now we loose the love of god the faith of god and we trust you lord Father God, now we repent if we've doubted you in our despair. We repent, Father God, if we brought you down to a level of our intellect, God, and not realizing how great you are. Father God, we ask that you forgive us. We repent, Father God, for not trusting your word and not trusting your will for our lives. We repent, God, for not trusting our kids with you. We repent, God, for not trusting our marriage with you, our finances with you, our future with you. We repent, God. We trust you. You've not abandoned us. We're not by ourselves. We worship you, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we just pray this together? Just say, Father God... I believe today I have faith on the inside of me. And I pray today my faith comes alive, presents the future that you have for me. Give me strength to obey the instruction that it takes to manifest your will, your miracles, and your plan for my life. I submit it to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I command my flesh, my soul, get in line with God's will. In Jesus' name, Satan, you're under my feet. I bind you, I rebuke you, and I command you now. Go for my life, go for my family, and my future. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you believe it, put your hands together one time. Give him some praise in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah.